of my sermon is come one. You got it. Come on. And in Spanish, we have a saying. It's, it's called, and again, you know, we're, those of you that may not know Spanish, you'll get to heaven. Hallelujah. You'll learn it. But we have a saying, you know, the Hispanic, you know, venga lo que venga, come what may. The saying that I have, right? Come what may, and may will come. Not only in the calendar. Uh, I mean, you, we're going to have those come what may periods in our lives all the time. Uh, and so, it's a, these are fighting words. Come one. Come all. Venga lo que venga. Come what may, and may will come. Not only in the calendar. Uh, you're going to get hit. Them that live godly in Christ Jesus might suffer persecution. Could. There's a chance. There's a teeny, eeny, weeny, bitsy little chance you might have to go through a trial or three. No, if you're going to be a Christian, be a Christian. You're going to have to learn to fight. The devil don't like you, hates you, wants you in hell. Uh, it's easy to go to hell. Yeah. But it takes guts to get to heaven. Revelation chapter 2, beginning there in verse 8. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who was the first and last, who died and came to life again. I, I know your afflictions and your what? Yet you are what? Rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death or unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. He who has ears like Ray, let him hear. Father, I pray you utilize this half hour for the furtherance of your gospel, the edification of your body. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said, yeah. Greet one another one more time with the love of the Lord. Shake a few hands there prior to your being seated. Praise the Lord. Come one. Come all. Now, I'm going to have guts today. I'm going to do my whole sermon with my glasses on. That takes guts. Uh, but I don't want to miss something here. Praise the Lord. You know, we, have, we talk about the help of the Holy Ghost. Well, I got help here now too. I'll be 50 in a few, few months. Praise God. I'll probably have better eyesight by then. Uh, we're dealing here with a church that is very much still alive today. Out of all seven churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelations, there's only really two churches that God commended. The church in Philadelphia, of which I'm going to be preaching about soon and very soon, and then also this one, the church in Smyrna. It is still in existence today. That's why God put it upon my heart for a, the church in Hayward and its off branches, its offshoots. Uh, there has to be something good that we can learn from a church that's still alive 2,000 years later. We can learn something here. Uh, I mean, you know, we might be going through some stuff, but the key is to keep going. The key is to keep on keeping on. Still standing. Uh, and that's what happened here. Okay. The church there in Smyrna, it was about 40 miles from, from Ephesus, okay? And uh, 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 what had happened there, okay, in this church, matter of fact, today, some of you put on some perfume today, some foo-foo juice, we call it. Uh, uh, leave the cologne alone. But I can't, I need it, hallelujah. Uh, but you know that the word 
uh, began more or less there from the church of Smyrna because it, it, it's, it's a perfume is, is, is like myrrh. When Jesus was born, they brought him myrrh. It's a perfume. It's like a cologne. All right. And the way perfume is made is you get a flower, real flowers, and you pound on them things and you pound on them things and you pound on them things and you pound on them things. Long sermons. You pound on them things. You pound on them things. A lot of you are going to go out smelling good here today. Because God's going to pound on you. Hallelujah. Uh, that's the way perfume is made. It doesn't come easy. It takes a little bit of pounding to smell like myrrh. Smyrna had its share of pounding. Hayward has had more than its share of pounding. But we're still standing. But we're not out of the other words yet. Amen? Now, see, to the church there in Smyrna, John sends them a letter. And it's a letter with some words of commendation. Commendation, excuse me, okay? Uh, and how many know that when, whenever you have an individual, actually the only words of commendation are very, very quick there. Okay, and he just tells them, thou art rich. He explains to them a, a number of things that are going on there, but very few words of commendation. And all he says is, thou art rich. And how many know that when you have children, and we've, you've been able to see some of our spiritual children here today, the ones that are big and grown up, and, and you don't got to tell them a whole lot of things. The ones that are, you know, a little spoiled, you got to spend a lot of time with them. You got to spend a lot of time with them. Uh, but the big boys, sometimes all you got to do is say, what do you got to do? All right, Dad. My dad, my dad went like that to me. He loves me. Uh, see, Smyrna was a big boy. Smyrna had been around the block a few times. It didn't need a whole lot of stroking going on. Uh, because it was a big boy. It had been around a little bit. Uh, and it tells him there, the words of commendation are, Thou art rich. What a very great compliment. Uh, but we need to examine here the nature and the, the undercurrent of that compliment. And that's what I want to bring up very quickly here today. See, if we take the words at face value, thou art rich. If we think about a rich church, we're thinking about a church that maybe had a, a big parking lot, a big edifice, big classrooms, comfortable chairs, a pastor without a mustache. Ah, maybe with a robe on. I want you to turn to your hymnals to a one and a two and a three. Bringing in the sheep, bringing in the sheep. We will come rejoice. Shut up, you're not rejoicing. That's ritualism. I mean, rejoicing. We will come rejoicing, bringing in the sheep. Ah, that's rejoicing. But when we look at this, thou art rich at face value, that's how we'll look at it. Ooh, they had, a, they had a pastor on payroll. They had ministers on payroll. They had a real comfy cozy. They had it made in the shade with lemonade. They were rich. Uh, a church where your social status and your financial ambitions could be easily realized. Because thou art rich is a commendation. But the rich, okay, that the Spirit is speaking of here in Revelations through 
John is not a secular, it's not a social nor a material rich. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, the, the, the church in chapter 3 of Ephesus, excuse me, of Laodicea, they said they had been rich, but they weren't rich. They were rich in material things, but in the spiritual, in the church in Laodicea, the Bible says they were not rich. But now here was Smyrna, the church of Smyrna. The Lord had now, you know, he, he, he doesn't really, in a sense, he doesn't give them a lot of rebukes. He doesn't give them a lot of admonition as he does to the six other churches. Okay? But this is not to say that this church or these people in Smyrna were perfect. No way. When one of the ministers, I think it was Pastor Al, said, you know, Pastor Steve is not perfect. I heard one amen. It was mine. Ah, I'm not. I mean, we have frailties, all of us. We all have, you know, Achilles heels, so to speak. We all have things that, that, you know, our strength is made perfect. His strength, excuse me, is made perfect in our weaknesses. There's no perfect church. So the Smyrna church was not perfect. That's not what it's saying here. Thou art rich. Uh, they, 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 weren't, they weren't perfect, no way. Not at all. Uh, the apostle Paul says, not as if I've already attained, uh, but this one thing I do. And the same thing can be said of the church of Smyrna. They hadn't really attained there yet. You know, but I have a sermon that I spoke years ago on John the Baptist. It was called, Beheaded in the Right Direction. <laughs> you like that one, Sal? It's pretty good, huh? <laughs> Beheaded in the right direction. That's what this church was going through. They were going through some heavy stuff. I mean, to be beheaded for the gospel, wow. John the Baptist was beheaded. And the Bible says, no greater individual was ever born of a woman. Matter of fact, the day that John the Baptist was born, one of the, you know, they prophesied over him and he said, they talked about, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, not in the sight of men. See, when men, what men consider great is not what God considers greatness. The church in Laodicea thought they were rich, they were not. The church in Smyrna, they were poverty stricken, yet they were rich. It was an inverted kind of blessings. And we need to understand that. What really, you know, encompasses being rich? Even King David, years later, he wasn't perfect, not at all. But what does the Bible say in the book of Acts? David, he fulfilled the promises of God for his life. Was David perfect? No way. He failed as a family man. He was a man, he was terrible. Uh, but yet he fulfilled all the purposes of God in his lifetime. And I would dare say, our church, we're not perfect. But we're headed in the right direction. Yes, we are. Some of us might be beheaded. I'm just kidding. Let's get Hallelujah. Now, how was this perfume of a church rich? Okay. Well, see, sometimes we can say they're rich because of, and I'm going to show you that in a little bit, but also sometimes we're rich in spite of. Please listen to what I just said. Not because of something, but in spite of something. The Smyrna church was rich in spite of, the Bible gives us four things here very quickly. Number one, the Smyrna church was rich in spite of the fact of the slander that they were receiving that was going on. It says there, I know thy blaspheme, which means your slander. Uh, that's what the word means. False ac accusations. As I mentioned earlier, this church was surrounded, my friend, by a number of enemies. This church was surrounded by, by Jews who really weren't Jews, but they were kiss-ups to the Roman government. Are you with me? 
Uh, they were kiss-ups. So that's why this church was going through all kinds of stuff. Because they were kissing up to, to the Roman government. And whenever the Roman government came against the early church, the Jews felt they were doing the Roman government, giving them a break, siding with them. So they were coming against this church. They were slandering them, saying this, that, and the other about them. Everybody talked about I like what Philip Lacruz says. Brother, you want to talk about me? Get in line. Uh, going out the door, around the corner. Uh, did, did you know that even George Washington and Abraham Lincoln had enemies that ruthless, ruthlessly hated them? Are you saying, are you, are you analogizing or the, the, the Hayward Church and, or this region with George Washington or Abraham Lincoln? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. But they had national Coverage by and large. We have international coverage. Ah, uh, yeah. Number two, moving quickly here. The Smyrna church was also not only heavily slandered, it was heavily persecuted. Persecution was the natural outbirth or the natural result of slander. See, when people talk about you, that's like an open door to be able to persecute you. See, slander has to do with verbal stuff, but persecution has to do with physical stuff, real action. Ah, uh, like, 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 you ever seen a bully, the way he operates? If, they, if he sees a young guy, small guy, little guy, sort of, you know what, I beat, I beat up little Joey. So the bully says, well, I can take little Joey too. You know, and little Joey stinks. You know, little Joey stinks. Slander. So that's like an open door to beat up little Joey. Where's little Joey at? I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, I can take him. Uh, that was like open game. The church was being slandered, but it was also being heavily persecuted. Matter of fact, that's when they begin to feed Christians to the lions, burn them at the stake, uh, hang them to the cross. But in Smyrna's history, it shows my friend that, that Christians there, you know, were fired because of their jobs. They were fired from their jobs. They were fired, uh, you know, as you read their history, even the trade unions wouldn't hire them. That's why it brings us into number three. I know your poverty. See, because they couldn't get jobs. They, you know, they, they were slandering them, they were persecuting them, they were stopping them from getting jobs, thus they were involved in, in poverty. And the word poverty there means beggary. They were forced almost to the point of begging. This church was, was, was too poor to hire even a pastor, even a pastor with a mustache. They were that poor. Stay with me now, I might shave before the sermon's over when I get hired by the Smyrna church. So they were slandered, they were persecuted, and they were poverty-stricken. Finally, number four. Uh, oh, goodness. Look at this. According to John, in Revelation chapter 2, <laughs> look at this. It gets, you think it's going to get better. It gets worse. Hijo. Look what it says there in verse 10. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison. To test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even unto death. You'd think it was going to get better. But there was no let up. The worst was yet to come. Oh my goodness. I mean, you know, slandered. Persecuted. Uh, poverty. And now, patadas, hallelujah. Uh, even worse. Can hit you with this, jabs you with this, hit you with the right cross, and then he kicks you. Ah, full-fledged karate. The whole shot. 
My goodness. You know, the devil don't fight fair. Never has, never will. Ah, uh, see, but still Jesus tells them, don't panic. Don't panic. See, according to me and my standards, count it all joy. Jesus, according to me, the way I look at things, Smyrna Church, Hayward Church, your church, your, your region, according to me, thou art rich. You can turn your trials in for a deposit. People from the neighborhood know what I'm talking about. You ever deposited bottles for a nickel? Yeah. You can turn your trials uh, in for something better. Yeah, you can. Let me go on. Let me, let me finish real quick. I almost wanted to finish there and somebody say, okay, no, no, no. I'm getting close to closing. Uh, now, see, I mentioned that we can be rich in spite of. Now I want to very quickly tell you why they were rich because of. Okay, they were rich in spite of slander, in spite of, you know, uh, persecution, in spite of, you know, things going to get worse. They were still rich in spite of their poverty, but they were also rich, the Bible says, because they had, I'm going to give you four quick pieces, because they had God's presence. I don't know if you noticed, but some of these guys that got behind this pulpit, they're men of God. You know what they said? Once I was lost, but now I'm saved. I'm saved. All I know is once I was lost, but now I'm saved. I got a savior. And he walks with me and he talks with me. Some of you say, and he talks with me and he box with me. I don't know if I should. I'm going to call you for a bock. Uh, but hey, they had the presence of God. See, the believers in Smyrna possessed the awesome presence of a savior. Uh, Jesus says there, I know your poverty. I know your, I know, I know, I know. It's an empathetic I know. It's a kind of an I know that says, been there, done that. You're not alone. I know what you're going through. I left my throne in glory to come down. I paid you a home visit. I got down and dirty with you. You're not alone. Call upon me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things thou knowest not. You are not alone. They had the awesome presence of Jesus before them. Uh, see, Jesus knew what they were going through. He said, some of you are going to go to prison, some of you are going to get killed. But then he says, but guess what? The way they did you dirty, they did me dirty first. They sent me to the cross. I was the supreme martyr. I was the first of many Firstborn and first dead. Come on, that's a good one, Lenny. I think so. Uh, firstborn and first dead. It was the first to die for the gospel's sake on the cross of Calvary. Um, so he's been with us. They had their, his presence. Uh, the apostle Paul himself says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. You know, sometimes my wife tells me, how come when you're witnessing you always go like this. Right, honey? She always says, how come you have to go like that? You know, I'm witnessing the guys and I show them my tracks. How come you have to do that? Well, the reason is because sometimes I know what it means. When, when I'm, I'm trying to talk to a guy and he's not listening. So I go, bro, look it. Oh, my God. Big old track right there. <laughs> uh, 
Because see, it gets their attention. Because I don't look like an ex-drug addict. I look like a pastor with a mustache. I mean, you know, I tell people before, I'm twice the man I was when I first walked in to Victory 25 years ago. Literally. You can cut me in half. I weighed 128. I weigh now, you know. Uh, so I know that I don't look like I've been out there. So a lot of times, in order to identify with them, I go like this and they go, oh. See, they know I've been there, done that. I get their attention. And that's the way it is with Jesus. He can show you his tracks. If you're hurting, you think you're going through something, take a look at the nail scars on the hands and the palms of Jesus. He's got tracks too. He's hurt too. They persecute you. They persecuted him. They slander you. They slandered him worse. And he took it. He was the author and the finisher of our faith. Are you with me? I hope so. See you here next year. Let's go on. Get any close to closing. The second reason why they were rich. First, because of his presence. The second P was because of purpose. The Smyrna church had a purpose. Boy, what a great reason to be rich. See, most people go through life aimlessly and selfishly. Now, I know some of you are struggling just to be in here right now. But thank God you're in here. There's no greater purpose on this planet than to live for God. None. Remember I've said before, they asked Billy Graham if he would run for president. He goes, God forbid that I would lower myself to run for the presidency of the United States. And he'd probably get elected. Huh? He says, no, I got a purpose in my life. Huh? Unto death, they tell him. Uh, most people are just existing. They're not really living. That's a counterfeit life. Christ admonishes the, the Smyrna church, be thou faithful unto death. They had a reason for being. They had a reason for, for life. They had a purpose in life. Unto death. Somebody has rightfully said, you're not ready to live until you're ready to die. Did you hear me? You're not ready to live. But I'm still young and I want to party. Been there, done that. I'm not proud of it. I hate it. I'm I'm sorry that I did it. Uh, But you're not ready to live until you got a purpose to die for. Uh, What's the name of that pastor from Willow Creek, Joe? Bill Hybels, uh, sometimes I listen to his tapes and almost all the time he says this. He admonishes his people, he says, what will you take a bullet for? Makes you think. What will you take a bullet for? Uh, because that, whatever your answer is, that's your reason for living and for being. Now be faithful unto death. The word, you know, faithful here means convinced. And these people were convinced. Uh, convinced of their God. The Bible says, they that come to him must believe that he is. They were convinced. Listen to me. They were going through some hard times. But they were convinced. The, you know what the Bible says? In the beginning, God. God doesn't get no lawyers. God doesn't need Johnny Cochran to prove that he is. He doesn't try to, you know, convince you. It's up to you to be convinced. Uh, that's the way the Smyrna church was. When I walked into Victory Outreach 25 and a half years ago, Man, God rescued me. I mean, even on my testimony, I walked into the men's home, they were saying, holy, holy, holy. And I said, my God, God is real. I've been looking for an answer to, to stop fixing drugs, and it's God. Yeah. It was under my nose all the time. 
That's why I grew a mustache to represent God. Ay, ay, ay. Ah, but I'll tell you something. I've had my doubts, but they've only lasted a milli- millisecond, by and large, about God. No, 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 no. I'm convinced. I've seen the power of God at work. Uh, so they were, they were convinced. They, were, they had a purpose and a reason for being. Listen, young people, you want something to live for? Live for God. Uh, that's what it's all about. Uh, and we need to understand that. Like I said, God doesn't need a lawyer to represent him. And the Smyrna church, they could take a stand. They could take any number of trials where many and most other churches would collapse under that pressure. And that's a church, the kind of church I want to see in Hayward. Most churches would throw in the towel. And now we're going to pick up the tithes and offering. They want you to tithe. Ugh, I can't wait till after the church. I'm never going to come back. I don't want to give money. All they want is your money. All the devil needs to do is give you one lie and you're gone. You big bad person you. Uh, the Smyrna church was a mature church. They were 18 years old. Uh, they'd been around the block a little bit. It would take a lot to discourage these people. That's the kind of church I want to see raised up in our midst and within our ministry. They could take a punch. What have I said before? There's only two types of Christians. Remember, watermelon seed Christians and thumbtack Christians. How many have never heard that illustration? Let me see your hand. Okay, good. I'll just need one. I just need one. Um, what happens when you put pressure on a watermelon seed? Beep. And I've said before, when I have arguments with my wife, she usually wins. So I always make sure that we have church picnics and that we eat sandia, watermelon. So I like to go over there and when she's not wearing glasses. And I, what I do is she's talking. Women, how many know that women are always talking? So I'll get that watermelon seed and I'll position it just so. And I'll get ready. I thought you were going to take off your glasses. <laughs> then you push on the thing. Beep, ooh, it's in the eye. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. Because that's what happens when you put pressure on a watermelon seed. It can't take the pressure. And many Christians are like that. Oh, they wanted your money. Boop. Now they're going to have pledges. Boop. Uh, he said he was going to preach real short. Boop. You can't take the pressure. You can't handle the truth. Just kidding. Jack Nicholson said that. Can you handle the truth, guys? Can you handle the truth? All right, here we go. Again, I'm getting close to closing. Uh, but here's where I get my title. Come one. Come all. See, I've heard this saying a number of times, but I never knew where it, where it originated at. But when I was studying for the sermon, I found out where that saying originated. It originated in Scotland during the time of Braveheart. How many like that movie? Heads, wheel, roll. Ah, there's down the English. Yeah. Braveheart. Well, a man by the name of Fitz... James, that was his last name. Okay. What happened was, and it's still engraved in the rock today. He, what he did is he put his back, because the enemy was coming. All his enemies were, were like an onslaught at him. And he put his back against the rock. And he wrote, and he said these words, and it's written right there at the base of the rock today in Scotland. It says, come one, come all. This rock will fly from its base 
just as soon as I. You might not understand. I'm going to explain it to you. He says, come one, come all. But this rock will fly from its base as soon as I. In other words, this rock ain't going no place. It ain't never going to fly. And neither am I. Come on! Come on! Venga lo que venga! Come with me! I ain't moving! I break pulpits. Other people's pulpits. That must have been the wisdom of God. We at least want to have this one for August 1st, our inaugural service. <laughs> we'll break it then. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. But do you get what I'm saying? This, is, this rock ain't going nowhere and neither am I. That's the kind of Christianity we have to be, man. I shall not be. I shall not be moved. I Just like a tree that's planted by the waters. Lord, I shall not be. Devil, read my eyes. You had me before. I overdosed on heroin nine times. No more. Let's go on. Are you with me? Uh, see, church history hinges on brave hearts. Your cities hinge on your brave heart. Those of you that are ministers and pastors, and those of you future pastors, brave hearts. See, Victory Armage, I was telling Sonny Jr. this the other day, from my perspective, I'm not that I'm training him, he's got the best trainer there is, but I can throw out a few things. I told Sonny, Victory Armage pastors, we have to be like bifocal pastors, like where I am right now. Uh, see, because we have to pastor the local church, this, and then we got to look to Colorado Springs, to Jakarta, to Milan, Italy, uh, to Canada, to, to Alaska, where there's all kinds of people drinking uh, that need Jesus, to Russia. And so I have to disciple you, and our pastors got to disciple their people for the membership, the people, the local people that are going to stay here and be the pillars. But we also got to find out who are the brave hearts. We got to check out who's, who's, who's got guts, who's got, who can go out and take a city. And I'm not just talking to men. I'm talking to women. Brave hearts. Okay, I like that. But our history hinges on, on brave hearts of heroes who dared to make a stand. Martin Luther, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks it here. Uh, I, like, I, like, I like Rosa Parks it here. Uh, because that's how, the, that's how the, uh, uh, the civil rights movement began. It wasn't with Martin Luther King, it was with a woman. It was with a woman. There's plenty of place in the gospel for women. I mean, if, you know, Rosa Parks, that's why I call her Rosa Parks in here. She's the one that got out from behind the back of a bus and went to the front of the bus and didn't get off. What did she do? She sat down. That's why I call her Rosa Parks in here. I shall not be moved. Read my lips. No, read my hips. They ain't going nowhere. Hot. Hallelujah. And even Martin Luther. You know that Martin Luther, I've said this before, he's the original cholo. It wasn't some guy from East LA, Garfield High School and all that. I'm sorry. But the original cholo was not from East Los or East LA. Nor from Hayward. 
The original cholo was Martin Luther. Because, man, they defrocked him from the priesthood. Because he came up with what we call the 98 theses. These, 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 these 98 things are wrong with the Catholic Church, he said. I didn't say that, he said it. And he, he nailed him to the front of the door of the church, the synagogue. And he says, these things are wrong with the church. Until they get right, sorry. They, he finally got an audience a few years later in front of the Pope. Okay? Hey, to come before the Pope. And the Pope right away tells him, listen, Martin, denounce these 98 theses and we will reinstate you to the priesthood. And what does he say? It's a very famous saying. Books have been written about the statement. Here I stand. I can do no more. And I hope you don't like it. Entiendes, Mendes, hallelujah. Ah, he's the original cholo. He, he took a stand. Some of you have heard me preach before about the, 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 the little girl in Korea. The true story. The biggest church in the world today is in Seoul, Korea. And, and Pastor Cho pastors a church of almost 800,000 people in one church. But I believe the seed of that church was birthed by a little nine-year-old girl that would not bow down to the North Korean army. Here I stand. I can do no more. See, our churches hinge on that kind of a, of a saying. Nehemiah 6.11 says, Should such a man as I run? Nehemiah didn't have an identity crisis. That's one of my top ten scriptures. Nehemiah 6.11. He says, no, 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 no. Should such a man as I run, I'm not no cha-cha. Uh-uh. Uh, I'm here. See, these Christians refused to pay and to play the coward. Now, number three. I'm getting close to closing, but I've, I've been preaching here for 18 years. And if I go a bit too long, for some of you, you can go home and hide under your mama's skirts to say... And close the door. Just kidding. But I think I paid a price over here for you. Uh, the next thing these Christians work, they were peaceful. They were peaceful. The third P. They refused, when they were reviled, to revile others. When they were slandered, they didn't slander back. They didn't talk back. They let God call the shots. Listen, when they're going to talk about you, they're going to mess with you, don't, don't be like other Christians. Uh, let them talk about you. You leave everything in God's hands. That's a real man. Uh, Jesus says, hey, listen, let me handle it. Don't, you know, don't take matters in your own hands. Lean not under your own understanding. But in all thy ways acknowledge the Lord and he will bring it to pass. When they talk about you, you can talk about me as much as you please. You can talk about me as much as you please. You can talk about me as much as you please, you Los Angeles Times writer. I'll talk about you when I'm on my knees. All my sins are washed away. Oh, praise the Lord. Let them. They didn't revile back. Uh, they were a peaceful kind of people. You know, they, they, they talked to Abraham Lincoln. They said, Lincoln, Mr. Lincoln, we should just go take care of the South and kill all of our enemies. You know what Abraham Lincoln said after the war? He says, No. They said, man, we, we, we conquered the south. Let's go over there and kill all the enemies. And Abraham Lincoln said, no. God forbid. Don't you know, he says, when you love your enemies, you destroy your enemies. Uh, we got to understand that. Lastly, and with this I close, the Smyrna church was rich because of their power. 
God's strength truly was made perfect in their weakness. They had power. Their experiences truly made them rich. Rich in faith. When I came over here and Saul remembers, I was there at the mother church, Pastor Sonny and my wife and a number of workers. But man, I know my history. Mine. And I, you know, I've been in the ministry a while and I'd hear every now and then a little weedy weedy. They say, Steve Pineda is flojo. Steve Pineda's lazy. He don't want to work. Uh, he, he'll, he'll do anything to stay in ministry. Because God had told me to. God had told me to. Then, just before I was going to come up here, I went and got a job. You know, a secular job. And everybody went, there is a God. Listen, I love, and if you know me, you know that I love to be outdoors. I would have loved to have been putting up bricks and concrete and all that, but God told me no until the four months before I came up here. And I went and I did it for God only knows why. But see, I thank God that I was trying to be obedient as much as possible to God because that was a deposit. That was money in the bank. When we came over here, I had all kinds of ministry experience. Huh? Because all the trials, all the tribulations that I had gone through. Huh? See, these Christians in Smyrna, they refused to play the coward. They too learned, my friend, how to put their backs against the rock. Uh, their salvation, okay, they, 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 knew what, they knew what they were going through. And what did the church in Smyrna do? They put their back against the rock and they told the world, Here come one, come all. Here I stand, I can do no more. Where in the world is Hayward? The world is going to find out. Where in the world is Hayward? The world is going to find out. Where in the world is Hayward? The world is going to find out. Where in the world is Hayward? The world is going to find out. Where in the world is Hayward? The world's going to find out. Read my heart. It's not that easy. But here I stand. I can do no more. I want every head bowed. Every eye closed. The Smyrna church to this day is still standing. We can learn from the Smyrna church. 18 years we just begun. We want to be here for the duration. We want to be here until Jesus comes. You're not ready to live until you're ready to die. I want to pray for those of you that say, Brother Steve, God just challenged my heart here tonight. And I want to be a Smyrna Christian. To take the pounding, the pounding, the pounding, but come out like a sweet smelling savor. To come out like perfume perfume my world to perfume my community to perfume my family wherever I go there to bring a sweet smelling savor people will know that I've taken a pounding but I'm smelling like royalty if Jesus took it I can take it and I want to pray for those of you that you're going through the battle right now you're taking the pounding well that's it take it go through it Every head is bowed and every eye closed. Spirit of God, moving in ministry. You say, Brother Steve, the sermon was for me. If that's you, I'm going to ask you right now to quickly slip out of your seat 
and make your way to this altar and make a stand here. I'm not going to